It's good to be forgiven, amen? Wow, I appreciate um, the worship this morning, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed it here in the, in the room, and I pray that uh, you're enjoying it wherever you are today, either watching or um, listening, amen. Um, let's, uh, let's begin this morning, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 43, and um, I won't go into a, a lengthy explanation of this, but uh, spring of 98, uh, the Lord began uh, to deal uh, with uh, me uh, from these passages, uh, the, the, actually the entire chapter of Isaiah 43, um, and about you know pioneering a church and and of course, uh, first Sunday in June, we had our first service together as uh, the family of faith known as Heritage Christian Center. And um, I, I have to watch myself. I had uh, probably three weeks of sermons mapped out from Isaiah 43, uh, just uh, opening uh, up that chapter. But there's one verse in particular that uh, I want to uh, look at this morning. And if you have time uh, later today or this evening or maybe in the morning, um, Take the time to read that 43rd chapter, especially if you consider uh, Heritage Christian Center uh, your, your home, and, and uh, these, these verses were uh, very impactful and instrumental uh, in um, some of you, just I will tell this part of the story, uh, Pam and I had stayed up really, really late on a Saturday night, and we were talking about these, these verses and the things the Lord was speaking to me through them. And that's when we had decided to, uh, to, to, to start the church, and it's going to be in the showroom of our cabinet shop, and um, we rode with mom and dad to a revival that night down uh, in the Vance area, and Dr. Mike Brown was preaching, and he was not preaching from Isaiah 43, he was preaching on a completely different subject, and I was sitting on the front row, and, and he walked back and forth in front of me three or four times, and finally he just stopped in front of me, stopped his sermon in front of me and quoted Isaiah 43, and then after he, after he got through quoting it, he just went right back to, to preaching his uh, sermon, and so, you know, obviously that was just the Lord uh, confirming his word in a very powerful and profound way, but Isaiah 43 and verse 25, it says, I, even I, and of course this is God speaking to us, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, there's a lot in this verse, and I think sometimes we focus in on the, the forgiveness and our sins and transgressions being, being blotted out, and we'll talk a little bit more, you know, what that means here in just a moment. But there's a phrase in this verse that I think often gets overlooked, and so I want to make sure that I point it out to you this morning, and, and that is that our Creator Father, Father God, He... He is doing this, notice he says, not for your sake, but for his sake. He is uh, removing your transgression. He is forgiving you and, and not remembering your sins anymore. Certainly we benefit from this. Don't misunderstand me. Um, I, I'm so thankful that, that my sins are forgiven, that your sins are forgiven. But Father didn't just do this for you. Uh, Jesus didn't just do this for you. What he did he did for you, but He also, and even I would say first and foremost, He did it for His Father. So Father is saying that He blots out your transgressions, does not remember your sins for His own sake. 
Now, this ties in with something that we've been talking about now uh, for some time, and I just want to do the review a little different this morning and uh, just remind you of some things that our Heavenly Father desires. So many times we look at these things and try to understand them based upon what what we desire, what what we want, what it means to us, what it will do for us, uh, without ever really considering what it is that Father God desires. Uh, and, And I think because of this, so many times we... We maybe look at him as being reluctant. It, I think some people even maybe, you know, it may be a little extreme, but I think some folks, you know, almost think of it as Father God begrudgingly forgiving us. You know, it's almost like, okay, already, I'll forgive you, whatever. No, no, that is not his attitude. Um, he forgave you for his sake. He forgave you because there are things that he desires to experience and enjoy with you that he cannot experience and enjoy unless you're forgiven, unless your sins are taken out of the picture unless your sin is no longer a factor. And so let me run through just uh, a quick list. If you've been uh, engaged in this series for some time, then these things will, will ring a bell with you because we've talked about them extensively. But, but number one, and, and this is the one we've really been focusing on here of late, uh, and that is that Father God desires to treat you like sin never happened. Okay, He desires to treat you like sin, like your sin. Uh, mankind's sin, to treat you like sin never happened, all right? Uh, number two, Father God desires for all of His children to be like Jesus is to Him. We see this in Romans 8, that you were created by Father God, predetermined by Father God uh, to be like Jesus is to Him. Number three, Father God desires for all of His children to have the same fellowship with Him that Jesus has with Him. Okay, the same fellowship with Father God that that Jesus has with Him. This is, I'm not saying this is what you desire for you. I'm saying this is what Father God desires for you. Okay, Father God, number four, Father God desires for all of His children to have the same inheritance from Him as Jesus. For you not just to be an heir of God, but to be a co-heir, a joint heir with Jesus. All right, now. We looked at this last week from uh, Galatians 3 and other verses, and that is that Father God desires for all of His children to be blessed like like Abraham was blessed. So Abraham is the gold standard of blessing, if you will, in in the Scriptures. In in other words, the blessing of God was upon Abraham, and and we see through a very long life that Abraham lived um, what the blessing of God upon his life produced for him and 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 how it benefited him and and we see this uh you know in 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 the financial realm and in in his in his family uh we see this in his interaction with the world around him we see the supernatural protection of god that that blessing upon abraham provided and the list just goes on and on and on remember jesus became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the Gentiles, could come upon non-biological descendants of Abraham. And so why, why, why is that even in the Bible? I mean, why, why is that even uh, you know, in there? It's because Father God desires this. He wants all of His children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. He, he, he doesn't want Abraham to... We said last week that Abraham was a, was a rarity. I mean, he... You know, people looked at the blessing and favor of, of God upon his life in his day and even beyond his day in, in awe of it. Um, you know, we would use things like 
you know, the Midas touch. You know, everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, that, no, matter the, no matter what situation Abraham found himself in, he prospered. Uh, God promoted him. He was protected and provided for in every way. And this is not just what Father God desired for that one man, Abraham. But remember, the promise of the blessing was to Abraham and to his seed. And we find out in Galatians that the seed being referred to was none other than Jesus. Therefore, if we belong to Jesus, if we've been born again, the Bible says that we are heirs of Abraham. Heirs of the same things that God promised to Abraham. Right? So, I'm going to real, real quickly again, treat you like sin never happened. Desires for you to be like Jesus uh, is to Him. This is what Father desires. Desires for all of His children to have the same fellowship with Him that Jesus has. Desires for all of His children to have the same inheritance from Him as Jesus. He desires for all of His children to be blessed like Abraham was blessed. And so we see the completed work of Jesus provides a permanent solution. A permanent solution. Um, a little early, sometimes I title these messages after they're finished, but I did put a title on this one before we started this morning, and the title of this one is A Beautiful Solution. Amen. And Jesus is that beautiful solution. The completed work of Jesus, what I mean by completed work of Jesus, His sinless life, His death on the cross, His burial, His descension into death, hell, and the grave, His resurrection, and then His ascension as He ascended and coronated, as He ascended to the throne of the universe, and was coronated, we know that this was His completed work. He did this for you and me. And Jesus' completed work provides a permanent solution to the sin that separated us from all that Father God desires for us. You see, even though Father God desired everything that I've already said to you this morning, we've covered it again in, in, in previous sermons, although Father God desired every bit of that for us, our sin disqualified us from all of it. So if we're going to be qualified... We, we've, we've, there's got to be a solution to um, our sin problem. And Jesus provided not a temporary. Remember, there was a temporary solution already in place. That was the blood of animals. Jesus came as a permanent solution. And what a beautiful solution He is for each of us. Now, I've had something kind of just lingering in my notes now for several weeks. And um, I just went ahead and moved it to the top of my notes uh, it fits in with what we're talking about today, uh, but I just I want to go ahead and, and, and I just feel really impressed. So turn with me now to Genesis, the fourth chapter. We've mentioned this a time or two, uh, but there's a few things here that I want us to dig into uh, before um, we uh, finish today. So Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 9. This, of course, is uh, the chapter where we see uh, Cain uh, murdering his uh, brother Abel, and this was because Abel brought uh, a sacrifice of excellence to God, and Cain uh, just basically phoned it in. Uh, he brought an offering to God, but it was not of his best, and, and because it was not of his best, Father God could not accept it. Um, Cain became uh, very depressed emotionally and also uh, became very... Uh, angry, violently angry. Uh, and so we see that Father God is, uh, you know, explained to Cain that he, if he would just do what he knew to do, everything would be okay. But Cain chose instead to try and take the easy way out, uh, and, and that is to eliminate his brother because he felt like it was 
what his brother was doing was making him look bad. Um, and so he, he uh, murdered uh, his brother Abel. And so this is where uh, Father God speaks to Cain about this. Verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Now, it's not that Father God didn't know what happened. Uh, it's kind of like when, when he asked Adam, Where are you? <laughs> he knew exactly where he was. Um, he's giving Cain an opportunity to humble himself. He's giving Cain an opportunity to repent. Okay? Uh, remember when God asked, uh, and, and Brother Keith Moore's been doing some preaching on this of late. Remember when he asked uh, Adam if he had eaten of the fruit that God told him not to eat of? God knew he'd ate of the fruit. Um, he was giving Adam an opportunity to humble himself and say, Yes, you know, Lord, I, I did. I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. But of course, we know what happened. Uh, Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and, and here we are to this day. All right, now. Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So he's lying, right? He, he knows exactly what happened, but he's, he's trying to lie and cover it up. And he said, God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, keep those verses in mind. Let's go now to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. So Abel's blood crying out for vengeance, crying out for judgment, crying out for punishment. The Bible reveals to us that life is in the blood. So when we talk about Abel's blood crying out, um, literally he's, he's saying that the life of Abel that was ended by Cain and the blood that had soaked into the earth is crying out to God, and it's crying out again for vengeance. It's crying out for judgment and justice. It's crying out for punishment. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Okay, now, we already know that when Cain murdered Abel and spilled his blood, that his blood, again, was crying out to God. There's an injustice, and God is the great judge of all the earth, and so ultimately the buck stops with God. He's, in other words, something's got to be done about this. Uh, somehow, this, this has got to be made right. Okay, now... I referred you to uh, Hebrews 11.4 is because I want you to notice that according to God, Abel was righteous. Abel was declared righteous by God. He obtained that witness, not just because he offered a sacrifice, not just because he offered a sacrifice of excellence, but he offered an ex a sacrifice of excellence by faith. Okay. Notice here we have once again a connection between being truly right before God in the eyes of God and faith, not so much what he did. He could have offered a sacrifice of excellence before God, but it not been a faith and that not have given him credit for righteousness. But the bottom line is this, when Cain killed Abel, Cain killed a righteous man. He shed or spilled righteous blood. So it was righteous blood, it was the blood of a righteous life that was crying out to God for judgment, justice, vengeance, 
punishment to set this record straight. Now, I know, you know a lot of you already know that and understand that, but this was the next thing that the Holy Spirit began to show me about this. And it's that Cain could have paid with his life, uh, you know, death penalty, execution. I don't, I don't know what you believe about all that. I'm not here to, to even try to comment on that this morning. But, but you know, Cain could have uh, given, you know, his life, but Cain dying for what he did to Abel would not have been justice. Uh, it, you say, well, Pastor Mark, there, you know, you, are you trying to give us some kind of political view this morning? No, no, hear me out. This, this is something that goes well beyond uh, politics. Cain was not a righteous man. Cain was a guilty man. So notice that a guilty man cannot settle the score for a righteous man. In other words, a guilty man's life for an innocent man's life still doesn't balance the scales of justice. Cain dying because he took Abel's life would not satisfy the debt. You follow what I'm saying here? You've got a righteous man who's been, who's been murdered. An unrighteous man dying because he murdered a righteous man doesn't set the record straight. The only way to, the only way to set it straight, the only way to balance the scales, would be for another righteous man to die in place of Cain. And so we see even in all of this, um, a, a, a giant index finger pointing to Jesus. So let me let me see if, um, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to, uh, uh, you know, Paul would often say he he speaks now as a man, um, and and I'm trying to use something earthly and physical to help you connect with something bigger and spiritual. And so, have you ever had like um, like do sounds bother you? How about a, a, a chirping smoke alarm? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, um, I don't know, I may, be, I may be kind of an oddball here, uh, but Sister Pam knows, you know, we're, if we're riding down the road and something's rattling in the back seat, you know, maybe carrying something to somebody or whatever, I, I don't know, I, it, it, it just, it, it bugs me. You know, I, I'm pretty patient in other areas, but um, so something that's just... A, annoying some kind of sound or or maybe your neighbor playing the music too loud or what have you okay well you know keep in mind we've got you know the children of the first parents that ever lived on planet earth one of them murdered the other and his blood is crying out to God in heaven for justice okay what are you going to do about this God how are you going to make this right God and and it's not that 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 voice crying out you know only cried out for a few minutes and stopped Abel's blood cried out and spoke before the had a voice if you will before the throne of God all the way up until the time Jesus paid that price and set that right and the Bible says now that the blood that Jesus spilled for us speaks better things okay amen i have uh i was doing some of this from memory and i haven't turned there myself amen but i'm not even gonna turn there it, th that his blood now speaks better things than that of abel so notice again cain dying for what he did was not enough to silence 
the blood speaking for justice that, that was shed. But Jesus' blood not only silenced it, but the Bible says now that His blood speaks better things for you and me. Doesn't, doesn't cry out for vengeance. It doesn't cry out for punishment or judgment. It speaks things like, I will remember their sins no more. It, it, it now speaks things on our behalf like as far as the east is from the west. So we see throughout the New Testament in different places where Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. He is our intermediary. He is, he is our advocate, our attorney, if you will, in heaven. And He is speaking on our behalf. But it's, it's not just Him that's speaking. His blood literally is, is crying out for not vengeance and punishment, but for grace and favor and blessing for you and me. Praise God. Well, I hope that touches your heart the way that it, um, it is, is speaking to me. Um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Father in Christ didn't just balance the scales. He tipped them in our favor. Because it ultimately had to be someone to die for our sin that was more undeserving of punishment and death than we were deserving of it. And, and that is exactly what we have when Jesus became our substitute. He was far more undeserving of punishment and death for sin than all of us combined together were deserving of it. And this is how, again, what Jesus did for us and for our Father's sake, for, for His Father's sake, um, this is how He has tipped those scales in our favor. All right, now, let's go back uh, in the time we have remaining, and I want to I cover a few things uh, let's go back to Isaiah 43 and 25. Isaiah 43 and 25. This is where, again, Father speaking, He says, I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. All right, let's go to Isaiah's neighbor there, Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 20. Jeremiah 50 and 20. Praise God. If you underline or mark things in your Bible, I would recommend you marking these verses. Okay. All right, Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 20. Father God, once again, speaking to His people through the prophet. He says, in those days and in that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, but they shall not be found. For I will pardon those whom I preserve. Now, let's, um, let's do just a quick review. Uh, if, if you have been born again, Everything that we see in the New Testament that's true about someone who is in Christ is true about you right now. Okay, So you, you have put on Christ, you've been baptized into Christ, you are now in Christ, Okay, and, and that's what he really uh, zeroes in on, focuses in on. 
there in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through the end of the chapter. So you are in Christ. And, and so, for instance, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ. Uh, those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. Everything that's true about somebody in Christ Jesus is true about you right now. But there's also an, another powerful connection here. And that powerful connection is that anything that is, has been promised or given to Abraham has also now been promised and given to you. So when we go back into the Old Testament and we read these things that, that speak of Israel, Judah, um, Jacob, for instance. Remember, Jacob uh, was renamed Israel. And, uh, and so a lot of times the entire nation uh, of, of Abraham's descendants are referred to as Jacob. Or, or, you know, and again, Israel, we think of Israel the nation instead of Israel the person. Uh, but again, this is the, the brilliance and the, and the genius of God. Remember, he wants the promise to be sure to all the seed, including you and me. So Jesus is our bridge into our connection into all these things. So in the same way when we look at the, at, the, at the New Testament and we see things that are true about those who are in Christ, we can make those same connections when we look at the Old Testament. So notice now, he is uh, prophetically, he's talking about days that are, that are coming. Uh, in those days and in that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none. In other words, he says people will try to find where they have committed sin, where they've done wrong, but it, it won't be available uh, to find. And the sins of Judah, they also shall not be found, for I will pardon those whom I preserve. Okay? Now, let's go to the New Testament. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. We're talking about this beautiful solution, this permanent solution. Our sin... Uh, prevented Father God from being able to experience and enjoy and do uh, with us and for us and in us and through us all that He desired. And so Jesus became that solution. He, he had to take the sin out of the way uh, because it was the block. It, it was the hindrance. It, 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 was the, it was what was preventing Father's desires from being fulfilled. And so Jesus came to be the final answer the final answer for our sin problem so that the desires of our Heavenly Father... Remember, He had temporary solutions, but those temporary solutions were necessary measures, stopgap measures, to bring us to the permanent solution. And the permanent solution, the permanent answer, the final answer for our sin is Jesus and His completed work on our behalf. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. There's that, that phrase again, that, those words again, blotted out. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, let's talk for a minute about this, this expression or these words blotted out, to blot out. Maybe, maybe you're like me, when I think of something being blotted out, I, I tend to picture in my mind it, it being covered over. Um, you know, so you blot something out. Let's say we're talking about ink. And, and so you, you take 
Have you ever seen like a, a legal document and there have been redactions, you know, where they just went in and covered it over with, with, with uh, black rectangles so that you couldn't read what was behind it? That was kind of how I always pictured and thought of something being blotted out. But that is a, that is, that is a misunderstanding. That is, that is inaccurate. It's not correct, okay? Um, blot out comes from the Greek compound word, and this is when I wish I had a screen behind me, um, ex elifo, all right? Now, I may not be saying that right, but say it confident, and people will think they've been saying it wrong who know how to say it, okay? Um, we get our English word uh, from this uh, word expunge, E-X-P-U-N-G-E. Now, when I say a compound word, what we mean by a Greek compound word is it's two words in the Greek that are, that are compounded or joined together. So, l- let me spell, I know some of you are taking notes, um, the transliteration of that word is E-X-A-L-E-I-P-H-O, okay? And so I don't know how you would say it uh, in your world, amen, but praise God, E-X-A-L-E-I-P-H-O. Now, the two words are, are, are ex, or ek, E-K, and alifo. Ek, you follow along at home, stay with me now. Ek means out or off. Out or off. And alifo means to rub, to wipe, or to wash. And so when you bring these two together, he's talking about rubbing something off, wiping it out, or literally washing away completely. So do you see, if we, if we had this understanding or this mindset that we're talking about something being covered up, no, no, it's, it's not being covered over, it's, it's being washed away. It's, it's being wiped out. It's being rubbed off, okay? So blotting out, blotting out speaks of the complete removal of something and carries with it the idea, now this is a strong word here. I'm not making this up. This is, this is straight out of the lexicons and dictionaries. Blotting out carries with it the idea of obliteration. Obliteration. Something that has been obliterated. Right? Now, let me see if I can bring this um, down to a level where even the children can understand it. All right? <laughs> the blood of Jesus is like bleach when some think it to be like liquid paper. Right? It's, the blood of Jesus is not liquid paper that covers over. It's like bleach that removes it. Now, as I was, as I was meditating on this, um, the Holy Spirit brought me back to uh, an, an episode that happened in my life uh, a few years ago now. Uh, one that, to be honest with you, was not real pleasant. Uh, I had a hard drive crash uh, in my computer and I lost a lot of files as a matter of fact some of the I of course the same Holy Spirit that gave it to me then can give it to me again but I've even just to try to get peace over losing those files you know I've, I've just assured myself that they're they're at least in heaven one day for me uh, to have access to again um, these files were not backed up and you know again uh, I've never made that mistake <laughs> since then, but um, I actually had the computer disassembled, and I sent the drive to do 
to two different experts trying to recover the lost data. I mean, it, I was willing to invest some money. I, I had one company actually disassemble the hard drive uh, to see if uh, they could somehow uh, recover the lost data. Are you ready? The data was sought, but there was none to be found. Okay, It wasn't there. It wasn't there to find. I kept saying, well, surely you can find it. And they're like, it's not on this drive to be found. Okay, and, and so notice that's what he said in Jeremiah 50 about sins and iniquity. They will be looked for, but there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, they shall not be found. The good news this morning is your sin is gone. If you've been born again, if you've been washing the blood of Jesus, your sin is gone. It's nowhere to be found. Okay? That's, <laughs> amen. I kept, I kept, you know, a lot of this, you know, these digital companies, you know, I, I emailing them, you know, back and forth. I even talked on the phone with them. I'm like, well, well what do we got to do to find it? They're, gonna, they're like, you don't understand, sir. It's, it's not there to be found. And I'm like, well, how can it not be there to be found? They said, well, you know, we don't have the answer for that. But what you're looking for is not on this hard drive, okay? And, of course, there was no other drive or place for it uh, to be found or uh, to be stored, okay? So, like the data, my sin existed at one time. But no matter how hard you look today, it cannot be found. Not because it's been well hidden, but because it's been obliterated by the blood of Jesus. Wow, that stirs me up right there. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. Okay? Um, I don't know how many of you have uh, uh, watched Brother Copeland preach and teach here, but in the last, uh, recently, but in, in the last few years at least, uh, he puts a little timer on the pulpit uh, with him because you know he's been known to you know, he's been known to take up an offering for an hour you know what I'm saying I mean he, he can go and go and go he's just getting so much wisdom and, and word and, and anointing in him so he, he puts that little thing on there and then the alarm goes off and uh, and he may be way away from the pulpit and he'll go back over there and, and turn it off and um, and somebody said well you shouldn't do that he goes well I got to make sure I preach long enough Amen. And so, uh, anyway, I, I did not even look at the clock when I started this morning, but I want to make sure I preach long enough. Amen. And I could go for hours and hours. But let's, um, let's try to connect these last set of verses and then we'll uh, uh, call it a, a morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. I've got to say it one more time. Like the data, my sin existed at one time, but no matter how hard you look today, it cannot be found. Not because it's well hidden but because it's been obliterated by the blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, so listen, verse 19 is the key verse uh, for this morning's message. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
Now then, in light of these things, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And here is why this is the case. Verse 21, For He made Him, Father God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That phrase out of verse 19, not imputing their trespasses to them. Remember now, we said that, that, that Jesus is a permanent solution. Sin separates. Sin disqualifies. Sin separates us from fellowship with, with God, and it, it, it disqualifies us uh, from being blessed by Him. And so Jesus came to take our sin, not in part, but in whole, completely out of the picture. He obliterated it with His blood. If you look for my sin, it's nowhere to be found. You can't find it anymore. It's gone, right? Not covered over, but rubbed out. Think of an eraser. I, I thought, of course, I don't have to have one for you to use your imagination, okay? But if, if I had a little small dry erase board and held it up here, and you know, a bunch of black goop on there, and took an eraser and, and erased it. I just wiped it away. I rubbed it out. Okay? I excelafoed it or whatever. Praise the name of the living God. All right, so let's go back to this. That's one aspect of this, that, that the sin you've committed has been obliterated. You, if you look for it, you can't find it. But now 2 Corinthians takes it one step further. That Father is not imputing trespasses to us this is a very important phrase impute means to reckon take account make a record of ascribe or attribute to ascribe or attribute to a lot of you who uh, give here uh, well all of you for that matter who give here to heritage that that uh uh, use your charitable donations for, for tax purposes. You know that when uh, you give a tithe or an offering, uh, that uh, that is ascribed to you. It is, it is attributed to you so that you know when the new year rolls around, we can print out records and get those to you uh, so that you'll know exactly how much you gave during a year and you use that as a receipt uh, for your taxes. So that is, that is the concept of imputing. Okay? It's, it's a record is made of it. It's, it's accounting. Um, it's, it's ascribing, it's attributing to. Notice here that he's saying that Father no longer keeps a record of your sin and He no longer attributes or ascribes your sin to you. Okay? Now I know a lot of folks are like, man, Pastor Mark, are you sure? I, 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 didn't, I didn't write this. Okay? Uh, let me, let's take a deep breath. Grace really is amazing. Amazing means to overwhelm with wonder. If your understanding of grace doesn't overwhelm you with wonder, then maybe you don't understand grace, right? So he no longer keeps a record. He no longer attributes or ascribes sin to you. And, and this idea of, of, of reckoning, okay, um, that has to do with, with putting together with one's mind. That's literally... Um, Legizomai is, is the transliteration of this Greek word and it literally means to connect together or put together with one's mind so what he's literally saying here that he no longer imputes your sin to you is that Father God no longer associates you 
with your sin. He no longer associates you with your sin. Now here's the problem that we got to overcome, all right? Other people may associate us with our sin. We can't really control what other people do. But we've got to stop associating ourselves with our sin. We've got to stop seeing ourselves in light of our sin and start seeing ourselves in light of what Jesus has done for us what the price that He paid for us, the righteousness that we've become. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Father no longer associates you with your sin. I was, I was trying to think of you know, some different ways to explain this and, and, and everyone that I thought of right, was, was probably not, um, not broadcast worthy. Uh, but... Think about folks you went to school with and <laughs> think of people that you went to school with and some of the things that those folks are known for to this day, right? Um, oh, he was the guy that, you know, I'm not, amen, enough said there, praise God, okay. Um, in other words, we make those associations. When we think of somebody, oh yeah, he was the guy that, you know, set the teacher's desk on fire or, or whatever, you know. And um, so notice that's what we mean by this association. And so many times, you know, we think Father looks at us in light of our sin. He no longer associates you and your sin together. It's it's been removed, not in part but in whole. It's been obliterated. And any sin that you commit now, He's not keeping a record of it. He's not even taking an, an account of it. He's not ascribing it or attributing it to you. Remember when Paul said, when I sin, it's not me that does it? Paul had learned not to ascribe or attribute his sin to his true identity doesn't mean we're not supposed to confess it remember to confess back to Cain what have you done Abel uh, I mean Adam did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat God knew what he did God knew he had eaten the fruit it was their opportunity to say you know what I did it I shouldn't have I'm asking you to forgive me and and, and let's move on right you say Pastor Mark why, why is that important if God's not keeping a record of it because he gives grace to the humble you gotta humble yourself, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk in that humility, walk in the spirit, all those things. Different sermon for a different day, all right? So he no longer associates you with your sin. One last verse, Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 17, God says this: their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading that to you from the New King James Version, but even the New King James Version, I think, needs a little help in, in that translation. What he's literally saying is that if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? Okay, Our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, so why would we ever need another sacrifice for sin? sin. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you this time together this morning. Thank you for what you've done for us, for the price that you paid for us. Thank you, Father, for the great love with which you've loved us. And Father, I just pray this morning that the truth from your word concerning our lives and the things that you've done for us and given to us, Lord, would, would become a reality in our hearts and minds. Father, that these would be more than just principles that we hear somebody talk about, but that these things would become a reality, Father God, that, 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 that when we wake up in the morning, 
that we would, we would wake up with the realization and the understanding and the renewed mind, Father, that our sins have been obliterated, that You no longer associate our sins with us. You're no longer imputing our sin to us, Father. And Lord, Your Word clearly says that when we begin to fully grasp and understand the, in greater levels the, the love that You have for us, that that will motivate us like nothing else to purify our lives even as Christ is pure. And so, Father, thank You today for what You've done for us. Thank You for helping us understand and embrace these truths. Thank You, Father God, for this beautiful solution, this permanent solution that Jesus has offered and that His blood now speaks better things on our behalf. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, love somebody, hug somebody's neck. Amen. Shake somebody's hand as we like to say. I'm going to keep saying it uh, in the face of coronavirus. Amen. And you be blessed uh, this week. We look forward to joining together with you again Wednesday at 7. And again, if you need anything, feel free to reach out to us. We're here to help in any way that we can. Thank you for those of you who have been so faithful to give and, and tithe uh, during this season. And uh, we are blessed. I'm happy to report that we're blessed. Heritage is blessed. We, I bring you greetings from Brother Odell and, and Sister Marilyn, Brother Jerry and Sister Marilyn. Um, while they've, they've had to rearrange some of their uh, uh, plans in, in, in Pakistan and India, uh, ministry still going forth. Um, starvation has become a real issue in Pakistan, in some of those rural villages. And so uh, through the, the gifts that we give through Odell Ministries, we're helping provide food uh, and, and ministry to some of those people. And so anyway, I just bring you greetings from them. I probably should have done that at the beginning. But uh, know that you're loved, know that you're blessed. And uh, we love to say it here at Heritage, good things coming.